gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King. And we're all set to go against the spread on this week number five of the 2018 National Football League season. Week number four in the NFL. Week number five in college football. And Victor, you know what they say, when you're having fun, time flies fast. You got that right. We're putting the finishing touches on a weird, wild, wacky first month of the season. We're seeing teams lose games like we've never seen before, both in college football and in the NFL but uh, we're about to head into October. September has been a nice month for both of our services. I know you're finishing this month uh, like gangbusters, and I want to congratulate you on the uh, super weekend, 5-1 and one last weekend, it looks like, for Mark Lawrence's preferred picks, including that, what, four-star college game of the week winner, Purdue, outright at home against Boston College. And then you follow that up the next day, with that game of the month winner on the Washington Redskins, again, outright winner over the Green Bay Packers. So great way to end the month. Uh, We've done well with our totals. We had our second straight four-star over of the week last week with the Chargers-Rams over the total. And our King Total Service has got a big five-star game of the month this Sunday. Yeah, coupled with our five-star game of the month, it'll be a great weekend. King's five-star total game of the month. My five-star college football game of the month. We'll talk a little bit more about those plays later on in the show. And, Victor, we talked about college football and how fast it's flying. And Amazingly, looking at the win-loss standings as we're coming into week number five of college football. I noticed last week that seven teams fell, took losses in the top 25 last week. And most shocking, obviously, had to be Virginia Tech's no-show against Old Dominion. And before we get into uh, a little bit more about the college football scene and things, Victor, your take on Virginia Tech, where they just caught flat-footed, looking perhaps ahead to a bigger game in the conference, or was it just one of those bizarro-type finishes? It was one of those danger-type games. They were definitely looking ahead to this week's uh, big-time ACC uh, conference game, and obviously they looked past Old Dominion, one of the, definitely one of the uh, shockers of the season Uh, a team that dropped from the rankings, the top 25. Uh, And in addition to them falling from those uh, coaching rankings were also Oklahoma State, TCU, who lost to Texas. I know you were on the Texas side of that game. Texas A&M and even Boston College, who looked so very good in their first three games of the season and went out into Big Ten country and laid an egg against Purdue. And with it, Victor, we've got right now, as we go into this weekend, some surprisingly undefeated football teams in college football that at the beginning of the season, if you would have bet the likes of these teams being undefeated, I think uh, you would have probably not made those bets. Uh, I think at the top of the list uh, has to be taking a look uh, the Cincinnati Bearcats, Buffalo, Syracuse, and you've got a few more, Victor, I know that you've talked about these undefeated teams so far in college football this year. You know, it's easy to talk about the great 4-0 teams, the Bamas, the Georgias, the Clemsons, the Ohio States, 
But it's fun to look at some of those teams that have not been on the top 25 list in a while. It definitely would have to start like a team, uh, Kentucky. Two fantastic quality conference wins already this season against Florida and last week against Mississippi State. They're 2-0 and in conference play for the first time since 1977. I'm a little surprised that Vegas still made them a home underdog this week against South Carolina, but nevertheless, go Wildcats and all of our fans in the Kentucky area. Also, Colorado 3-0 and with wins over Colorado State, New Hampshire, and Nebraska. The Buffaloes scored, what, more than 30 points in each of their first three games, and that was a first for them since 1995. Uh, what about Syracuse? You mentioned them. They're 4-0 for the first time since 1991. At least one signature win there against Florida State at 49.5 points per game. They're already tied 10th nationally in scoring offense. A team from the ACC who looks like they can contend all the way down to the stretch is probably the Duke Blue Devils, also 4-0, also quality road wins. They went into Big Ten country and beat Northwestern. They went into Big 12 country and beat Baylor. So a, they entered the rankings for the first time this season this week, landing at the number 22 spot for Duke. Also a pleasant, surprising 4-0 team would be Cincinnati that you mentioned with wins against UCLA and a couple of Ohio schools, Miami of Ohio and Ohio University. One more team I want to throw in if I can, and again, you touched on them, it's Buffalo. You know, Buffalo's never been 4-0 as an FBS school. They look like they're the front runners to appear in the MAC championship game. And a player that you really need to know about, particularly if you're an NFL scout or NFL fan, is junior quarterback Tyree Jackson. This guy is a beast, 6'7", 245 pounds. When I saw the highlight last, last week, of him throwing a 55 to 60 yard bomb on the run. I said, I'm in. This guy is going to be a pro someday. So good for the Buffalo uh, Bulls as well. Yeah, Tyree Jackson looking a lot like Cardell Jones, reminding me him of yep. Ohio State. You know, that big, oversized quarterback with a huge arm. It looks like, like you say, Victor, he's going to end up catching a lot of attention from NFL scouts, and he may even come out early doing just that if he leads Buffalo to the promised land this football season here. And you talked about these football teams. You mentioned Duke and Kentucky. And ironically, we're not talking about Duke and Kentucky being in the top 25 as basketball teams. Right. <laughs> these are football programs. And uh, together, uh, they're both appearing in the top 25 in tandem for the first time since 1957. It's been that long uh, for these teams, to, uh, Duke and Kentucky, to get out this not only this perfect start, this 4-0 start, but also be ranked as well. These are what I call my Conway Twitty. You've never been this far before, teams. And we'll see how whether or not they can continue their journey here, how much deeper they can continue in the world of being undefeated. And I think on the flip side, Victor, here, I may also want to mention about a surprisingly winless football program here, and that's the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Uh, not so much the fact that Nebraska so much was thought of of them this year, but uh, I don't think anybody would have bet that they'd be 0-3 and having been beat in the manner in which they've been beat thus far to open up this football season here. So it appears that Scott Frost didn't inherit much at Nebraska here. He's a very, very patient man, uh, but I do look for a big effort from them against Purdue on Saturday, Nebraska, to snap that winless skein. 
Uh, let's take it over to the National Football League side of things, Victor, here on our opening segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. And we're talking about the National Football League and what's worked thus far this football season here. Uh, if you ask Clay Matthews what hasn't worked is this new penalty uh, that's yeah. in place for roughing the quarterback. I mean, he's taking him right completely out of his game. And a lot of fans aren't really digging this here either as well, seeing all these roughing the penalty quarterbacks uh, roughing the quarterback penalties in football games is not taking well to the fans, but I'm sure adjustments will be made. But one adjustment that probably likely needs to be made by oddsmakers is the success of underdogs thus far this football season here. We saw a lot of that with the Buffalo Bills winning as a 17-point underdog against Minnesota last week. The underdogs have had, Victor, a pretty good start to the season this year. And, you know, we're only three weeks into the NFL season and there are only three undefeated teams left. That is a surprise. Not that one of those teams is the Rams. Even not that one of those teams is the Chiefs. But our boys down here, our fish, our Miami Dolphins, 3-0. and And that is a big-time surprise. Now, you mentioned underdogs. And it's been a great season for dogs thus far. Now, last week, they went 9-7 and ATS overall. That's not earth-shattering. But it was outright wins. Buffalo Bills, 16.5-point underdog. Manhandling the Minnesota Vikings. Tennessee Titans, a 10-point road underdog against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who to me are the most maddeningly inconsistent team in the NFL. Tennessee gets the outright win. Another 7-point underdog got the outright win. The Detroit Lions in the Sunday night game against the uh, New England Patriots which crushed a lot of people in their survivor pools. Even the New York Giants is a six-and-a-half-point underdog, defeating Houston, a Houston team that's now a surprising 0-3 on the season. But for the year, Mark, underdogs are now coming in at 26-18-1 against the spread. That's a very solid 59%. Division dogs have done extremely well at 10-3 ATS this year. And also home underdogs, coming in at 8-3 and three against the spread as well. I might also throw one little note into the mix here. We're talking about underdogs and their success thus far this football season here. Our former hometown team, the Cleveland Browns, have been underdogs twice this year. They cashed both times. Didn't win either game, but cashed the ticket both times in there. And uh, I tweeted this out. My good friend Jay Cornegay, the supervisor at the Westgate Superbook in Las Vegas, every week they post updated current odds in at the Westgate and you can be, you can bet these games uh, as the season progresses here so they update the odds and this week the Super Bowl odds were updated and adjusted and uh, lo and behold I'm looking them over and what am I seeing I'm seeing the Cleveland Browns listed at 80 to 1 to win the Super Bowl and underneath them I see the Dallas Cowboys and the Seattle Seahawks listed at 100 to 1 to win wow. the Super Bowl <laughs> unbelievable the Cleveland Browns held in higher esteem in the eyes of the Vegas oddsmakers than are the Dallas Cowboys and the Seattle Seahawks these days. And can only wonder what happens, Victor, if Cleveland takes down Oakland this week and Dallas and Seattle fall, we could be talking about the Cleveland Browns being a potential Super Bowl contender. Absolutely wow. unbelievable. It certainly is. And uh, credit to them, they're taking out years and years of against-the-spread frustration on the players and the bookmakers this season. Cleveland is the only team, in addition to the 3-0 straight-up teams, that's 3-0 ATS and is not undefeated on the season. So they have been in every single game, and they've 
cash the money three times in a row. And when was the last time you could say that? That's been a long, long time, and I guess uh, if for no other reason, you can attribute it to turnovers. The Browns have only turned the ball over twice, and they've been on the receiving end 11 times this year. And we're going to talk with Andy Isco about that when we talk about his football newsletter here. Uh, some great commentary on his newsletter that's out this week. We'll get into the turnover aspect in the National Football League and what it means to teams and their success on the playing field. Don't go away, guys. We're going to come back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread when we kick off our college football game of the week. We've got a beauty on tap in the Pac-12 Conference. We've got that just around the corner and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. If your goal is to become a winner at sports wagering, then the all-new Sports Data University is just for you. You can learn responsible sports wagering in live classes and free courses from the world's sharpest sports wagering instructors, such as Mark Lawrence, Victor King, Andy Isco, and an array of other top experts. Join live classes and ask questions you want answers to. Listen, learn, and watch at Sports Data University. Visit today at sportsdata.com. That's Sports Data University, located at sportsdata.com. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new coffee club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow coffee club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the coffee club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence, along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread on this week number four of the National Football League card. Week number five in college football, as I mentioned earlier, and with it, it's our college football game of the week this week. We're going to hop out to the West Coast, where the Cal Bears, the upstart Cal Bears, are going to host Oregon in a key Pac-12 matchup. Victor, how do you see the over-under shaking out in this game between the Ducks and the Bears? Before we get into my little over-under segment, let me throw out two things. Yeah, there may be a bigger game on the board this week, particularly one in Big Ten country involving the Buckeyes and the Nittany Lions at Happy Valley. But to be honest, we might have a fairly big selection in that game. Either Mark on the side or me on the over-under. We're going to kind of put that one in our pocket for a potential big game action on Saturday that's the reason we're probably not talking about that game this month, uh, this week on the podcast. And also, Mark, I want to throw out, we, we got a lucky win last week. We, you know, we talked about the Iowa-Wisconsin game in our college football segment, and I mentioned that I thought there was a little bit of value on the over and that I was going to bet the over at that line of, what, 43 and a half, 44 points. And for those people who listen to the podcast Threw a few dollars down on the over and joined me in watching it on Saturday night. We had no business winning that game whatsoever, and we all know that. We got our, a lucky win in that game for sure. With about, what, three or four minutes in that game, we were down by about 13 points. Uh, it was run out the clock time for Wisconsin, and again, we got really, really lucky to get two touchdowns in the last three minutes of that game to go over the total by one point, a game we perhaps didn't deserve to win, but we'll take happy endings like that any day of the week. 
definitely an excruciating game to watch for those of us who bet the total in that game. And speaking of totals, we're going to Oregon and California. The over-under line in this game, it opened at 62. It's come down a hefty number, down to 58.5 points as we speak, as we record the podcast on Wednesday. That is the lowest over-under line in this series in the last eight meetings. The last time an over-under line was lower was back in 2009. If we're looking for a little action in this game, it's one of those perfect games. It's the very last game on the schedule on Saturday. Some people may need a little bailout action uh, playing the 10-30 game. Some may want to add to their Saturday winnings, but it's one of those uh, perfect games to get some action in to conclude your Saturday's uh, TV watching in college football. California Memorial Stadium, both teams now in the top 25 of the AP poll. Cal, one of those surprising undefeated teams that we talked about at the top of the show. It's the first time since 2009 that the Golden Bears have held their first three opponents to less than 24 points. Playing some outstanding defense there in California. And I think you can tell which way we're going in this particular game. You know, for Oregon, this is their first road game of the season. We're almost in the month of October and they have yet to play on the road. They started the season with four straight home games. So this is their first true road test of the season for the Ducks, who we don't know what they have in the tank. They still might be reeling from that come-from-ahead loss last week when they fumbled the ball instead of kneeling down at the end of the game against Stanford. I'm sure a lot of Duck fans have a really, really bad taste in their mouth right now. Now, in regards to this series, Three of the last four meetings have gone over the total and by an average of 8.2 points per game. On the season, Oregon is 2-2 two and two over under. Cal is 1-2 and two over under. Uh, according to uh, Sagarin ratings, Cal is the one who actually should be the favorite in this game by two to three points. But it is Oregon, as we speak, opened at minus five down to minus three. Oregon is a pretty good over team in their history when playing off a rare loss. But here's the difference in the reason that we're going under the total in this particular game. In terms of totals, to me, the Oregon Duck program is like the Pittsburgh Steelers of college football. When they are playing at home, we always consider going over the total first. But when they are on the road, they're a completely different team, like the Pittsburgh Steelers. And in most cases, we consider the under before the over. In fact, in the last three seasons now, Oregon has gone 7-18-1 and one over under. Their last 26 true road games, that's seven overs, 18 unders. But that's nothing. In their last eight road games, all eight of them have gone under the total for Cal, we know they've started this season, again, with an outstanding defense. They're ranked number 16 in the country right now, allowing only 302.3 points per game. They are 3-7 and seven over-under in their last 10 against winning opponents. And another key to this game for me in terms of the total is the fact that they didn't play last week. They sat, they rested, they had plenty of time to digest the Oregon game film. Their last game was two Saturdays ago against Idaho State. They've gone 2-9 and nine their last 11 times when playing with rest. So, Mark, I see that 58.5. I'm agreeing with the line move. We're going under the total. 
Oregon Ducks, California Golden Bears. Victor sees a different team with Oregon on the road as opposed to home. He goes under the total in the Oregon Cal Pac-12 showdown game on Saturday night. And before I get to my side in the game, Victor, i got to ask you this one question here. You talked about the Iowa-Wisconsin game, and sometimes we win games that maybe perhaps we shouldn't have. Are you going to be planning on giving that money back is what you're doing, is what you're saying? <laughs> you know, every so often, we, all we can really hope is that Lady Luck balances things out to us. So on the flip side, I'm going to say we've already had a handful of games that we should have won this season, but we didn't because of some fluky late game stuff like that Dolphins-Tennessee Titans week one under, which was a lock after a five-hour lightning delay. But both teams combined for 28 points in a quick two-minute span in the fourth quarter. So, again, you're going to get some bad beats. You're going to get some games you don't deserve to win. All you can hope is that Lady Luck balances things out for you. Yeah, it does eventually all come out in the wash. And as you say, in a good year, you'll hope that Lady Luck is on your side more often than she's not. Taking a look inside this series here, Lady Luck was not in the Oregon Ducks camp last week, a heartbreaking loss to Stanford, a football game that uh, they could have won the game, should have won the game easily. They had a fumble on the one-yard line that not only uh, did they have the score turned around, they fumbled the ball and it was turned back for a touchdown the other way. Blew a 17-point loss in that league, and I have to wonder about their psyche coming into this football game, especially with Oregon coming in off their first loss of the season after having been camped at home four games in a row to open the year. This will be their first road game. And uh, what we do find in that particular role, where you find college football teams in four-game season opening homestands to take out onto the road in conference play as favorites in their first trek on the road. They're just 9-19-2 against the spread. So some tough technical roles here for Oregon, some mental roles that are difficult as well. It's going to be difficult, I think, for this football program to get back up this week against a highly improved California football team. Victor hit on the fact about California and being a completely different team. Justin Wilcox, their new head coach, has made a world of difference with this football program here. He inherited a team at Cal that had a 500-yard defense. Here we are two years later, and that defense has improved 200 yards a game since Wilcox took over. He's a former defensive coordinator who makes his forte first and foremost on playing defense, and the Bears are doing just that, and it's showing in the scoreboard and in the ATS win-loss spread ledgers as well. You take a look at what Wilcox has done at home with Cal, 5-0-1 to the spread, in games off a win with Cal, 5-0 to the spread, and you're talking about a Cal Bear team that really has cashed and taken advantage of playing with extra rest in this in this role, they've won the money five of the last six times. Again, this is an Oregon football team that is not only, I think, down and out in, in the dumps. They come in here knowing that the last 14 times Oregon has been on the conference road and they are not getting four or more points. This team is 0-13-1 against the spread. Not a real good role for Oregon to be in here this week. We'll be playing the Cal Bears plus the points for our side in the big Pac-12 showdown game on Saturday. Hey, don't go away, guys. When Victor and I come back, we're going to hop into our National Football League game of the week. We've got a beauty in the AFC North Division, and we'll hop out to Las Vegas and check with our good friend Andy Isco to get the Vegas vibe as well when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. All new Playbucks tokens are here. 
Only at Playbook.com can you earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbucks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbucks tokens, you can use them for Playbook experts picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbucks tokens, do so now. Simply visit Playbook.com and click on the Tokens link. It's that easy. That's the all-new Playbucks tokens waiting for you at Playbook.com. The only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The Totals Tip Sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King, the NFL Totals Guru, at Playbook.com. The Totals Tip Sheet has got you totally covered this football season. It's the best reference source of its kind in the nation. Get your Totals Tip Sheet today at Playbook.com and enjoy the winners. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread on this weekend's college and pro football cards. It's time for our National Football League Game of the Week, and we've got a dandy on tap Sunday night when the Baltimore Ravens journey into Pittsburgh, into the Steel City, to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Victor, how do you see this big division showdown matchup shaping up from an over-under total perspective? Well, you know, if you listen to our college football segment, you know how I feel about Pittsburgh when they're playing at home. And that's the way we're going in this particular game. We're going over the total. I'm going to give Baltimore all the credit in the world that they deserve. Yes, they are ranked number one in defense in the NFL through three, three weeks of the season, allowing only 17 points per game and allowing only 273 points per game. Yes, their defense is good. Let's look at the opponents a little bit. Let's also look at the major differences in their home and away games for the Baltimore Ravens. At home, they beat subpar, uh, lower half of the league offenses in the Buffalo Bills and the Denver Broncos, holding them to, what, 6 and 14 points respectively, I believe. But to me, what's revealing in terms of the Ravens are you get Baltimore out on the road and you take a look at their road numbers. And that Thursday night game against Cincinnati was very, very revealing to me. They allowed 100 more yards per game in that game than they're allowing on the season. Again, they're allowing 273. But in that road game against division rival Cincinnati, they allowed 373 yards a game that went well over the total, a game that was a first-half shootout in which the final score was 34-23. to 23. So, yeah, Baltimore's defensive numbers are good. Let's consider the opponents. Let's also consider what happens when Baltimore takes to the road and they play another good offense like they definitely are this week in Pittsburgh. And, yeah, I'm seeing myself a Steel City shootout. It's the NBC TV game. You know, Al Michaels is going to be joining us on the over as well as the AFC North takes center stage. And look, I know the over-under line open on the high side. We're still around 51 points as we speak. But you know what, folks? There's still plenty of meat on the bone. This is a game in which we forecast in the high 50s, low 60s. This is the only game this week in which both teams are averaging over 29 points per game on the season. Uh, and what I also like is both teams are playing a quick-paced offense this year as well. 
Baltimore is actually ranked number one in plays per game at 72.3, and Pittsburgh's number two at 69.7. And for comparison purposes, know that the current NFL average is around 61 plays per game. So we're talking the number one and two teams in terms of tempo and in terms of pace. And another stat for me that seals the fact that this is going to be a shootout is the fact that both teams are outstanding in converting red zone trips into touchdowns rather than field goals. Ravens, number one red zone TD percentage in the league, 100% of the season. They converted 100% of their red zone trips into seven. And again, when we're playing it over, we want to see touchdowns. We don't want to see field goals. And the Steelers are right up there with Baltimore, number three in the league in red zone TD percentage at 88%. Baltimore's done a complete turnaround since they added some great offensive personnel in the offseason. Michael Crabtree, Brown, the receiver from Arizona, good tight ends. Willie Sneed from New Orleans. We've got a solid running game with Collins at running back. Joe Flacco has improved Baltimore's offensive numbers now by 70 yards a game compared to last season, by plus 7.6 points per game compared to last season. And despite the fact there's no Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh, the Steelers are actually improved by 65 yards per game on offense compared to last year and by three points per game as well. Uh, the fourth game of the season in the NFL, I wrote about this in the total stip sheet. It's a good week for overs when the over-underlines are high. In the last six years, game four for both teams, when the over-underline is more than 49 points, all seven instances have gone over the total. That's 7-0 and over-under this season. Uh, I already know Pittsburgh, of course, they're 3-0 over-under on the season. However, Game 4 teams off three straight overs in a row have gone 25-1 and over-under since 2008 when the point spread in the game is less than 10 points. So that tells us as long as the game's not going to be a blowout, it's going to be fairly competitive. You play these teams to continue that overstreak in their fourth game of the season. We're liking us a Steel City shootout. Again, the number's at 51, but there's still some meat on the bone. Ravens-Steelers over the total, Mark. Victor goes over the total in the Baltimore-Pittsburgh showdown game. That great 25-1 and awesome stat inside the football game. Talking about teams that uh, open up the season here with three overs in a row. 25-1, and 20 wins, five losses, and one push. A great stat supporting the over in this game here as well. Victor mentions the Baltimore Ravens come in here with the league's number one ranked defense in this contest, allowing just 273 yards a game. And that fits well into the new look attack of this offense of this Baltimore Raven football team. All the offseason acquisitions that they made are blending well with this program here. It's a reason right now that Pittsburgh is looking up at Baltimore in the AFC North Division standings. Baltimore also comes in with a big triple revenge chip on their shoulder in this contest here. Pittsburgh has taken them out three times in a row in the last three meetings in this series. And to me, that's meaningful. When I look at revenge in the National Football League, it becomes most meaningful when it's triple revenge exact for division teams. It either turns into domination or it stops right here. And with good football teams like Baltimore, triple revenge, three losses in a row usually stops right here. 
This is a Baltimore football program that has cashed five times in a row as division road underdogs coming into the contest here. Pittsburgh comes in with the uh, league's number 22 ranked defense, allowing 388 yards a game. That's over 100 yards difference in defense for these two football programs here over the course of the first three weeks of the season. Pittsburgh also comes in off that big Monday night barn burner shootout with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here. Pittsburgh themselves just 1-7 and seven to the spread coming off Monday night games when taking on winning opponents, as they will be doing in this contest here. Another sidebar note from our well-oiled machine, we looked at how do teams do Sunday night football games. We have a database that goes into looking at teams on Sunday night in the National Football League. And uh, whenever there's division games and the home favorite is coming in, taking on a division upon stuff a win, they've struggled. They've gone 8-18-2 eight, and two to the spread. The bottom line to me in this contest here is you got the better dog as the underdog with revenge and over 100 yards of the better defense here. I'll be on the Baltimore Ravens plus the points against Pittsburgh, who might be the better team and maybe the wrong favorite in this team being the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, it's time to hop out to Las Vegas for one of our favorite segments on the show. We'll catch up with the Vegas vibe with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Andy, how's everything going for you in Las Vegas these days? Well, Mark, everything's going a lot better this week than it had last week. It's funny how the football season uh, unfolds. Sometimes you have good weeks. Sometimes you have bad weeks. You never know the sequence in which wins and losses are going to occur. And that's an important lesson to keep in mind that you don't want to get too excited when you're doing really well or get too much down when you're in a uh, somewhat of a slump streak because you never know where how the season's going to unfold. But at the end of the year, you have a pretty good idea of based upon your historical performances where you're going to be. Exactly. We were talking about that with Victor at the beginning of the show about how the NFL underdogs have gotten off to a pretty decent start thus far this football season here and a tendency that we've seen before in the past and will likely see maybe moving forward here. But, uh, you know, every season has its own personality and takes on its own edge, if you will, throughout the course of the football season here. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, and Andy does a great job keeping us up to date with what happens if the Superbook contest in Las Vegas at the Westgate Superbook, also the Golden Nugget Ultimate Challenge contest that's going on right now. And Andy, when we visited last, last week, it was a brutal week, if you will, in the Super Contest and the consensus, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the consensus went 0-5 in week number two. Tell me it had to do better last week. It couldn't do any worse. I suppose it could tie that number. But uh, before getting into that, let me just go back to something you you touched upon, and that's the performance of underdogs. Uh, the numbers that I have right now show that underdogs are 27, 19, and 1 against the spread. But what's more remarkable about that is that underdogs have won 19 of the first 48 games outright. That's about 40% winners. That's a very high percentage whether it's got something to do with the adjustments in the lines from the lines maker, whether it's got to do with perhaps increased parity in the NFL, or maybe it's just an early season aberration that'll result in favorites having more success as we go forward. We'll find out over the next few weeks, but it has been a remarkable start uh, for underdogs, and it's somewhat reflected in the performance of the consensus here at the uh, Super Contest because there's a lot of, for lack of a better term, unsophisticated money that enters these contests now with the popularity having spread. In other words, you've got your sharp guys, but they are 
comprising a smaller percentage of the overall entry pool. Right now, for this season, over 3,100 entries. That's a new record. It's up from 2,700 and change last year. And I think that that was part of the reason why we saw a poor performance out of the consensus for the first part of last season and why this year it's been a bit of a struggle uh, thus far. You mentioned the 0-5 week in week two. In week three, things bounced back. The consensus went 3-2, and two, but for the season, there's still 7-8 and eight ATS. Now, when the... Um, Consensus was on the favorite side of a team of of a game rather. They were five and three last week, but they're still eleven, eighteen, and one on the season, and that makes sense given the overall performance, the successful performance of underdogs. When they are under on underdogs, however, it's somewhat interesting. They were five and three last week. Uh, the uh, contestants were, however, for the year they are just nine and eight, which tells me that when they're on the underdogs, so far they've really been on the wrong underdogs because. If the overall the underdogs are hitting at uh, 27 and 19, and their record is only nine and eight, they've been missing out on some pretty good underdogs. One and zero in pick'em games, and for the year, well, overall last week the uh, 16 games produced a consensus result of 10 and six. For the year, 21, 26 and one uh, for the uh, uh, for the uh, 40, uh, 48. Uh, games that have been played so far. As far as the leaderboard goes, five contestants are at 13 and two. Four contestants are at 12, 2, and 1. There are 15 contestants at 12 and 3. Nine contestants, 11, 3, and 1. And a whopping 62 contestants are off to a very, very solid 11 and 4 sport, uh, start. And keep in mind that when I give you these numbers, we'll start talking percentages in a few weeks as far as what these leaders are at when the numbers are meaningful. Basically, you get one point for a win, half point for a push. So the leader at 13 and 2 has 13 out of a possible 15 points. Not unusual for there to be such an outstanding record leading the contest this early in the season. And of course, they do have a prize at the, at the consent at the Super Contest. For the leader after four weeks, that's usually going to be a very high in the 85 to 90 percent range. We'll see how it is this week, but let's also compare the performance through the first four weeks as to where things stand at the halfway point through week eight. Andy, anything noteworthy at Tony Miller's Golden Nugget Ultimate Challenge contest as well? Anything that might be noteworthy that our listeners might want to be aware of going on at that contest early on in the season as well? Yeah, absolutely. Let me just mention the distinction in the super contest at the Westgate. You make five picks per week against the static point spread, all NFL. The Golden Nugget contest, on the other hand, requires you to make seven picks also against the static line. And the lines for both contests basically come out in uh, the afternoon Pacific time, late afternoon. Uh, The Golden Nugget contest differs, however, is that in addition to the NFL sides, you have basically all the college sides for the FBS teams that are uh, that have lined games, and usually that's all but about one or two if there are injury questions in a couple. So you would expect that the results in the Golden Nugget contest might be uh, stronger than those in the Super Contest because of the fact that you have more games to choose from, and you're playing more games overall, which would be a little bit of a mitigating factor uh, when you look at it from uh, the, the standpoint of the more games you play, the more the percentages tend to uh, drop a little bit. But at the Golden Nugget, the leading contestant has a record of 18 two and one that's 18 and a half out of a possible 21 points Uh, that's a two and a half point lead over two contestants who are tied with 16 points at 16 and five two more a half point further back at 15 five and one and then you start getting a a bunch of uh, contestants in groups Uh, 10 have a record of 15 and six 
or 15 out of a possible 21 points. So the Golden Nugget, and again, I think we've talked about it before, contest likely to be won by a contestant who, if not overwhelmingly, plays college football, but has a substantial number of their pricks being in college football. It appears to be that way at the Golden Nugget, where seven selections can be made and they can be mixed with NFL and college plays. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, publisher of one of the most outstanding weekly football newsletters in the country. And Andy, got a copy of your newsletter here this morning here, and I want to share with our listeners out there, you did a great job with your NFL spreadsheet inside your newsletter this week. And uh, what jumped out to me when I was looking at the spreadsheet this morning, Andy, was uh, the success or lack of success about, uh, I like a column you have in there called Net Turnovers, and tallying up the turnover differentials of teams in the National Football League this season in here. And uh, no surprise to me to find the undefeated Miami Dolphins at plus four in net turnovers, the Cleveland Browns at plus nine in net turnovers, far and away the best team in the National Football League in a positive turnover ratio. Their opponent this week, the Oakland Raiders, minus four net turnovers. So in that Oakland-Cleveland game, Andy, you have the best against the worst as far as net turnovers go. Do you factor that into your handicapping equation, or do you see any pattern that may develop when you're pairing a team that's really positive in the turnovers, taking on a team that's really negative in the turnovers? It, is, it certainly marks something that I consider, and as the season goes on, it plays more of a factor because the numbers become more, become more meaningful. We've only had three games played so far, so one bad game has an unusually strong impact on the overall number and certainly on the averages. Uh, as we go forward, I tend to look, break turnovers down to turnovers lost versus turnovers recovered, and I tend to place greater emphasis on turnovers lost. I like to play on teams that don't turn the football over as opposed to teams that are able to create turnovers. If you prevent your opponents from getting extra possessions, I think that's a positive. The fact when you get extra possessions, you have to do something with those possessions, and you don't know if that's going to happen. But if you can prevent your opponent from gaining extra possessions, that's definitely a positive. And in fact, speaking of the spreadsheet, there's a final column there called the X Factor. And I'm going to talk about that one in next week's newsletter, and I'm sure we'll have a discussion about uh, uh, about it as well when we do the podcast podcast next week, but that to me is a very important factor as well because it explains what I consider the unexplainable, the things that the normal stats don't normally, uh, uh, are not normally able to convey, and I think it's an important factor that we'll discuss that will give you a bit of an insight as to why some teams that may not have the greatest stats in the world seem to perform very well, and other teams that seem to say, gee, how can you not like this team, look at their stats, may not perform as well as you would expect. So I think that when we look at the, the spreadsheet, the two factors that I will consider and talk about will be that X factor and also, as you mentioned, the turnovers, but paying more attention to teams that don't turn the football over as opposed to teams that uh, create a lot of turnovers defensively. That's great. Uh, explaining the unexplainable. That's going to be your new mantra at Sports Data University, Andy. I love that. Explaining the unexplainable, uh, putting it into common sense for people. That's what the logical approach is all about. You want to check out this weekly newsletter, guys, The Logical Approach. It's his weekly newsletter. It's available at the website at TheLogicalApproach.com. Victor, I know you got a question you'd like to run by Andy on the show this week as well. I want to get Andy's thoughts on one particular game in college football, not necessarily an added free play, Andy, but two teams Mark and I briefly touched on at the start of the show, Virginia Tech and Duke. Of course, Virginia Tech off a huge 
disappointing loss. Duke, a surprising undefeated team. In any given season, it would be Virginia Tech who would be the sizable road favorite in this game. Uh, this year, because of what has happened, it's Duke who's the sizable home favorite. Both teams may have quarterback issues. It's a big game. It's been moved to 7 o'clock Eastern for ESPN2. Your thoughts, your opinions on this big ACC game? Well, Victor, you basically mentioned uh, the key factor to me, and that is Virginia Tech has historically been the favorite in this series. They've had a solid program dating back to the uh, mid-1980s when Frank Beamer took over the program, coached for nearly 30 years, uh, turned it over to uh, to Fuentes, who came over from Memphis, and uh, he's uh, done a fine job in maintaining the level of play, notwithstanding last week's shocking upset loss in a very entertaining game at Old Dominion. The game went back and forth until Old Dominion outscored Vatech 28-7 in the fourth quarter, which suggests that perhaps Virginia Tech was caught looking ahead to this game because it was a non-conference game last week. They were a huge, uh, I think, what, 19-point favorite, something along those lines. Uh, excuse me, a 29-point favorite uh, last week and sort of took things for granted, and they had this conference game uh, up this week. Now, they already started 1-0 and in conference play. They beat uh, Florida State team, a team that has struggled and may not be as good as the Florida State teams we've known over the past few years. Nonetheless, Virginia Tech 1-0 and in conference play. Duke gets their conference opener after four very nice wins in non-conference plays. Uh, to me, my analysis of this game, the gap between these two programs is narrowing. Virginia Tech has been fairly stable, but Duke is the program under David Cutcliffe, their coach, that's made tremendous strides in recent years. As a result, the talent level and the performance have increased to the point where the gap is narrowing between Tech and Duke. I'm not quite sure that Tech deserves to be that big of an underdog even on the road. Uh, they've only been uh, once uh, uh, an underdog in this series over the past decade, and in that game, uh, Virginia Tech actually pulled the uh, uh, pulled the upset. There's nothing not to like about Duke, and Duke is a team that I'll be looking to play on more often than not this year. But this week, for me, I'm going to be looking at taking the uh, tech tech with the points, and you know, past class, which is still present, uh, may indicate that uh, this could be a, a nice uh, underdog that uh, pulls the upset. We might want to mention this. We pointed this out in this week's Midweek Alert newsletter, which comes out every Wednesday. It's our statistical newsletter. Uh, we, we featured on this game in the newsletter, and we called out the fact that uh, Virginia Tech lost their starting quarterback, Josh Jackson, <clears throat> to a broken fibula last week. But his backup is interesting. His backup comes in this game. His name is Ryan Willis, and he was a former starter at Kansas where he played in 16 games threw for over 2,500 yards and 12 touchdowns. He's the most experienced backup quarterback in the ACC. So Virginia Tech just might not take that big of a hit at the quarterback position in this game. And I'm with Andy in this contest here. I think Virginia Tech brings some value into the game as well. And Andy, before I ask you your complimentary play on the show this week, I know I'm catching maybe a little bit off guard, but are there were there any noticeable moves in the uh, in the NFL lines that you saw, maybe perhaps based on last week as opposed to this week that we're looking at upcoming in the NFL card? 
Yeah, there are several that are worth uh, pointing out. In fact, beginning with the uh, Thursday night game, Minnesota at the Rams. Of course, Minnesota coming off of that shocking upset at home uh, by the Buffalo Bills, perhaps caught looking ahead uh, to this week's game because it is a short week for Minnesota having to go out to the Rams. Last week, when the advanced bettable lines came up at the Westgate, the Rams were five-point favorites, sort of in that no-man's land between a field goal and a touchdown. Well, after the Rams uh, took care of business this past week, as they've done for the first three weeks of the season, and Minnesota suffered that shocking loss, when the lines went back up Wednesday, uh, Sunday afternoon, the Rams were up to seven-point favorites. So uh, the lines maker clearly uh, reacting to that Minnesota defeat. The public, uh, or probably the sharp guys more so than the public, because the public generally doesn't get uh, involved that early. They'll wait closer to game time. So the money that did come in did come in on the Minnesota Vikings. That game is now down to uh, six and a half. I think that if you've missed taking the plus seven with Minnesota, you probably should wait closer to game time because I would imagine that the public money, which generally overwhelms the sharp money when it comes to the NFL, even though it's a Thursday night game, might be back on the Rams and push that line back up to seven. And why not? The Rams have rewarded their backers for the first three weeks this season. Other games uh, worth noting, Miami at uh, New England. The Patriots were nine-and-a-half-point favorites in this game uh, a week ago before last week's contest were played. In fact, when the game came out Sunday afternoon, this was before the Sunday night game between the Patriots and Lions, the nine-and-a-half was indeed the opening number. They took the game off the board. The Patriots lost for a second straight week by double digits at Detroit. When that line came up on Monday morning, the Patriots were down to seven-point uh, home favorites, and that line has gone down to uh, six and a half. The Houston Texans-Indianapolis game is another one last week. Houston was a two-point road favorite to Indianapolis. This past Sunday, the Colts played a competitive game in losing at Philadelphia, and Houston was upset by the New York Giants. When that game went up on Sunday afternoon, Houston was down to a one-point favorite, and all the early action came in on the Indianapolis Colts. So as we are recording this podcast, the Indianapolis Colts have switched over to a one-point favorite. Other games were noting uh, the Green Bay Packers Buffalo Bills game. Green Bay was a 14 and a half point favorite a week ago prior to them losing at Washington and Buffalo winning at Minnesota. That game came back up on the board Sunday afternoon. Green Bay down to a 10 and a half point favorite. That's a huge move even though it's a big double digit number. You went right through the key numbers of 14 and 13 all the way down to 10 and a half. One other game that is worth noting the um, game between Cleveland and Oakland. Last week, Oakland was a two-and-a-half-point home favorite over the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland then went out Thursday night, got its first win in uh, more than a season, uh, beating the New York Jets. Oakland, on the other hand, did what they've done or what they had done two previous times this season in weeks one and two, played a great game in the first half at Miami, taking a halftime lead, unable to close out the deal in the second half. They lose to uh, Miami. So when this game went back on the boards, Oakland and Cleveland was a pick em. And yet the early action moved Oakland back up to where they were last week at this time, a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. So uh, th th those are the most notable moves based upon what happened in games. The other move worth noting is the San Francisco-LA Charger game. And this is important to note because it might give you some idea of how quarterbacks are valued. Jimmy Garoppolo, the four 
49er quarterback went down late in their loss at Kansas City. He's out for the season with a torn ACL. Last week, the uh, L.A. Chargers were just four-and-a-half-point home favorites over the San Francisco 49ers. When this line went up Sunday afternoon, we knew about the uh, injury and the likely loss for the season uh, for Garoppolo. C.J. Beathard, the backup, will be taking his place. The Chargers went up as a nine-and-a-half-point favorite, so a five-point adjustment based upon the loss of Garoppolo. That adjustment was further enhanced by the early betting action, which bet the Chargers up to ten-and-a-half. An overview of the line adjustment moves that have been made in Las Vegas based on last week's lines as opposed to what's coming up this week for week number four in the NFL 2018 football season by Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Andy, before we let you go, I know our listeners would love to know what play it is you'd like to pass along as your complimentary pick on the show this week. I'm going to go to the Monday night game between Kansas City and Denver. It's a very intriguing matchup because uh, Kansas City has dominated uh, this series in recent years. I think they've won five in a row, which is interesting after Denver had won something like seven in a row. So the recent series has been dominated by Kansas City. And who's not to like what Kansas City has done? 3-0 and straight up and against the spread. Uh, right now, if you were to make a forecast for uh, the Super Bowl, you might take a look at uh, Kansas City and the Rams, the two uh, perfect teams who have been just dominating opponents. Although Kansas City's stats are a little bit misleading, they are actually not just being outgained on the season, they're being outgained by a whopping 76 yards per game. Denver, on the other hand, uh, two and one. Uh, they had uh, what I was uh, thought would be an expected loss last week in Baltimore, and sure enough, even though they got up to a very early lead, uh, they were able to uh, be overcome by the Ravens. Uh, Denver actually outgaining their foes by 42 yards per game. They are a home underdog here. In fact, this game last week, so we're going back to our previous subject. Uh, Kansas City was uh, expected to be a three-point road favorite. Well, after this week's results, Denver losing in Baltimore, Kansas City beating San Francisco, the. Chiefs opened at four and a half point road favorites. The early move, the initial move was down Kansas City down to a four point favorite. Now they're back up to a five point road favorite. I'm going to be on the Denver Broncos this week. Uh, This is a very solid Denver Bronco defense, and they're going up against that Kansas City defense that not only is being uh, that, that, uh, well, the Kansas City Chiefs, I mentioned, they're not only being outgained by 76 yards per game, a lot of it has to do with their defense 474 yards per game. They're going to be playing in that mile high altitude. that figures to be a fast-paced game, certainly on the part of Kansas City, wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs get a bit fatigued in the second half of that Monday night game on their defensive side. And if they have to come from behind, I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos come from behind and get the straight-up win. Andy fades the worst defense in the National Football League, the Kansas City Chiefs, and takes Denver plus the points Monday night for his complimentary play on the show this week. And Andy, once again, a great job on the show this week. I look forward to visiting with you next week here for more on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I'm going to wish you well this week. And uh, to you, Mark and Victor, I wish you the best of success this weekend as well. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I are going to share with you our complimentary plays on the football card and my awesome angle of the week. When we're back with the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. 
Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as an apple and g as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week on the football card this week. We call it Super Sub Sandwich. And what we're looking to do is to play against college football's defending national champion anytime they're in a non-conference sandwich game, meaning they're coming off a conference game, playing a non-conference foe with another conference game on deck. That's a non-conference sandwich, provided they didn't lose to the spread by more than three points in their previous game. These super sub-sandwich plays, defending national champions in non-conference sandwich games who are not off that spread loss of more than three points or last game, by playing against them, we've gone 16-2 and two against the spread in this role since 1980. This week, guys, we're going to play against mighty Alabama, the Crimson Tide, and will likely take 50 points, 5-0, 50 points in their football game in this super sub-sandwich game roll when they take on Louisiana Lafayette on Saturday. Hold your nose, take the points with the Raging Cajuns from Lafayette for our awesome angle play on this week's college football card. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports. Victor, if you would, let our listeners know what you've got on tap this weekend at King Creole Sports and your complimentary play on the show as well. I'm with you on that one. That's my favorite college nickname of all the teams, the Raging Cajuns. And, Mark, let me throw this out, Alabama 1-8 and eight as big non-conference home favorites of 36 or more points. So I'm with you on the Cajuns in that particular game, and it might be a hold-your-nose opportunity as well. Now, for us, uh, King Creole, we got a big one going this week. We've been fortunate to go 2-0 and oh thus far this season in our NFL four-star or higher best bets Two weeks ago, it was four-star Steelers Chiefs over. Last week, it was four-star Rams Chargers over in the Battle of L.A. And this week, we have our first five-star play of the season. It is a game in which we're going over the total. It's already up at the playbook.com website. You want to check it out. We're looking to go 3-0 and in best bets in the first month of the season. Now, earlier in the show... We mentioned that, yeah, we're, we want a piece of that Ravens-Steelers over, and I think there's still some value in that particular game. But let's remember this, too, as well, folks. A good, successful handicapper is going to balance out his overs with an equal amount of unders. You're not going to turn a long-term profit if every single game you bet on is an over. So you've got to have some unders in there as well. And one game in which we're going under the total, and I mentioned it in this week's totals tip sheet newsletter, it's going to be the Bills and the Packers game under the total. 
And our target line of this game, folks, is 45 and a half or more. And that half can be a key half point. We want to be able to cash a winner if the game falls on one of the two key numbers of 44 or 45 points. So that's your target, 45 and a half. And I think this game goes low if it follows the game script. And when I say game script, we take a look at the point spread, the over-under line, and we anticipate what's going to happen in the game. The double-digit home favorite gets out to a big lead, shortens the game in the second half by running out the clock, playing conservatively, not taking a lot of chances on offense. Heck, if Green Bay gets out to a big lead, you may even see uh, quarterback Aaron Rodgers sit out the entire second half. Either way, game script favors a low-scoring game here. A Buffalo-Green Bay series that I might add that's gone a perfect 0-4 over under in the last four meetings with an average of only 29.8 combined points per game. we got some good trend numbers if you're into the trends. I've got those as well. The last seven times Green Bay has been installed as a double-digit favorite. They've gone 1-6 and six over under. They've gone 1-4 and four over under before playing the Lions. Two and nine over under after playing their Washington Redskins. One and four over under at home off a road favorite loss. And two and six over under at home against the AFC East. And speaking of AFC East versus NFC North, the last 11 times a Buffalo team has faced somebody from the NFC North. They've gone one and ten over under. And of course, that happened as recently as last week when they went under the total in that shocking win against the Minnesota Vikings. They've also gone 0-5 over-under in their fourth game of the season, 0-4 over-under in the second of back-to-back road games. I've got some other good numbers that apply to this game. If you want to read them, they're in this week's playbook totals tip sheet. But either way, you got to balance out your overs with unders, and this one is on the drawing board this week for us. Bills, Packers, under the total, your target line is 45 and a half or more points. And don't forget, already up at the Playbook Don website, our five-star NFL game of the month. It's an over-under selection in which we're going over the total. Victor King goes under the total in the Buffalo Green Bay game for his complimentary play on the show this week. And just a quick reminder that his big five-star NFL over-under totals play of the month is up at playbook.com. Another big over-total play from Victor. Be sure to get on board for that play this weekend. Just a quick note here also, guys, the Playbook tokens are available now at playbook.com, where you can now use Playbook tokens to make purchases, buy experts' picks and selections, and get makeup plays from experts' handicappers as well. You can get $100 in free Playbook tokens. Simply log on at playbook.com, click on the tokens link, and we'll put $100 of tokens into your account today. A quick note also that my five-star college football game of the month is going to kick off this Saturday, and it comes at a no better time. We went 5-1, and one, as Victor mentioned earlier on the show, last week on our late phone service, now 9-3 and three the past two weeks. Our five-star college football game of the month Saturday, available at playbook.com. We're part of another $99 football weekend of winners. Available when you call me toll-free at 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the football card this week, we're going to play the Arkansas Razorbacks 
catching 21 points against Texas A&M this week. And you're going to ask yourself, what on earth would we like with Arkansas, who's lost six games in a row to A&M in this series and appears to be a football program in disarray right now? But look inside the numbers, guys. You're talking about an Arkansas football team here that not only brings 17 starters back from last year's team with new head coach Chad Morris, but while they're one and three straight up this year, they've won the yards in three of those four football games. That's an indicator of a team that Vegas has not caught up with and is due to break out. We see that happening with Arkansas this week. Remember, Arkansas held in their last two games high-powered offenses from Auburn and North Texas to season-low yards in each of those two football games. They're going to take on Texas A&M this week, who comes in off a big battle with Alabama. They faced Clemson three weeks ago, and you're coming in here also talking about an A&M team that goes from a 24-point dog to a 21-point favorite. We'll play the Razorbacks, the Hogs, plus the points in this game, Arkansas, for my complimentary play on the football show this week. And with that, that's going to put the final wraps on this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank our co-host, Victor King from King Creole Sports, our good friend Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And until next week, for our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.